Mike Pence is not pushing false election fraud claims. You want to talk about one of the more ridiculous statements made out there because the former vice president wrote an op-ed over at the Daily Signal. It's part of Heritage, where he is now a distinguished visiting fellow, which means he's making some bank. Good for him, making some bank, former vice president. He's out of office, got to get a job, there you go. He wrote an article talking about how absolutely terrible H.R. 1 is. How absolutely ridiculous this For the People Act is. This 800-page election overhaul bill that would increase opportunities for election fraud, trample the First Amendment, further erode confidence in our elections, and forever dilute the votes of legally qualified eligible voters. That's what he wrote, and he's absolutely correct. Me, I'm Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. On Facebook, Tony Katz Radio, Parlor, Instagram, Twitter, at Tony Katz. The phone number, feel free to call in. 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. But he writes, Many of the most troubling voting irregularities took place in states that set aside laws enacted by state legislatures in favor of sweeping changes ordered by governors, secretaries of state, and courts. That's a factual statement. Whether we're talking about Clark County, whether we're talking about uh, Georgia, or whether we're really talking about Pennsylvania. CNN headline, Pence pushes false election fraud claims in denouncing Democratic reform bill. That's not it. That's not it at all. Not at all and not in any way. That's mythology. It's simply not true. It's like seeing uh, this, uh, this from uh, the Wall Street Journal. The Wall Street Journal. This was uh, the, the headline right here. House Democrats pass voting rights bill opposed by the GOP. Okay, people, move along. There's nothing to see here. You just threw the entire Republican Party under the bus, and it has nothing to do with voting rights. Zero. What in the world's kind of headline is that? None of that has to do with reality. That's as ugly as can be. It's equally as ugly. Equally as ugly as what you're seeing on this idea of Pence pushed a false election claim. They don't want you to talk about the election know-how. Me, I'm telling you to talk about the election feel three. Feel free, knock yourself out, go crazy. Go crazy. You may want to say things properly. You may want to engage things accurately. Of course there were issues. People could say otherwise, but they're wrong. Now, are they willfully wrong, wantonly wrong? The answer is, well, clearly yes. Uh, on, On all accounts. What happened in Pennsylvania, I would not have allowed those electors. I would have challenged the electors in Pennsylvania, no question. That challenge was right, that challenge was accurate, that challenge was good. I stand by my statements on this show, and I support those who wanted to engage that challenge. There could have been other states I agree or disagree with. Pennsylvania, it's not even a debate. The courts usurp the authority of the legislature. I think that's worth a challenge. 
that they certified it inconsequential to me right one of the arguments i think it's an interesting argument is there able to state certify these election results now you want to go about changing them well there is a process for being able to not change them but at least challenge them and i believe that pennsylvania qualified what was done by the secretary of state kathy bukvar what was done by the courts there worthy of a challenge oh i'll stand by that any day of the week and twice on sunday well the supreme court didn't even hear the case they did they didn't think it was it mattered no no no. not hearing the case doesn't mean whether or not it mattered and as justice alito and justice thomas pointed out i think very well of course scotus should have heard the case because then they could have made a decision and that could have been that i'm telling you all, everything you saw on January 6th in terms of challenges could have been avoided if the court had taken on the two cases, the Pennsylvania case and the Texas case. Because the Texas case was the idea that Texas voters were disenfranchised by Pennsylvania voters or really the Pennsylvania courts. I think that's a legitimate argument. Now, you get to the specifics. Can you actually uh, make the claim? And, and could you have done something about it? I, I, don't, I doubt it, but I don't know. And that's why I would have wanted the court to make that call. But this is a court that has decided not to be political and doing so is only political, but that's John Roberts, who has proven himself to be, well, bad at what he does. We're going to be a completely non-political court, and in doing so, we're going to make every political move we possibly can. Of course you can discuss the election. Who said no? Jake Tapper? (laughs) Jake Tapper or... Or, 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 or who? One of the late night hosts? Seth Meyers said you can't talk about the election? Somebody on MSNBC? Some woke people on social media? F these people. They don't mean anything. They don't matter. You're allowed to take a look at things and have an objective view. What I have made the argument of right here is that when the conversation is one of fraud that term is used as a catch-all and the problem is that term should be specific issues is different than fraud it's why when people on on who disagree with me let's say i don't even know if they're on necessarily the, the political left right they would disagree and they'll talk about there's no widespread voter fraud if you have to use uh the term widespread you're answering the question of issues because you're admitting that, yes, there was voter fraud. But I leave that to, to, to those people to figure out and wrap themselves up in knots. I'm discussing issues that are as clear as day, that are worthy of our time and attention. Mike Pence talking about these things is just fine. 150% fine. And for people to say otherwise, or for, for people to say that if you say so, oh, you're pushing a false claim, untrue, push back on those people. Now, somebody else who needs to get pushed back on is the president, Joe Biden. Because in Texas, Governor Greg Abbott and Mississippi Governor Tate Reeves, they've said no more mask mandates. Everyone understands that the governor saying no more mask mandates doesn't mean you're not allowed to wear a mask, Right. You can still wear a mask if you choose. The business can still require you wear a mask. They're saying the state is not going to play in that game. Now, the governor of Alabama has doubled down. They're going to have another month of mask mandates. I don't know how other states are going to, to work this. You have 
Joe Biden in the Oval Office. He's actually answering some questions and gets asked about this subject. He says, look, masks work. I hope everybody's realized by now these masks make a difference. We are on the cusp of being able to fundamentally change the nature of this disease because of the way in which we're able to get vaccines in people's arms. We've been able to move that all the way up to the end of May to have enough for every American, to get every adult American to get a shot. And the last thing, the last thing we need is the Neanderthal thinking that in the meantime, everything's fine, take off your mask, forget it. The last thing we need is Neanderthal thinking. So we're clear that is the president of the United States calling Greg Abbott and Tate Reeves Neanderthals for saying no mask mandates. He's never been a nice guy. Joe Biden's never been a nice guy or a good guy or or a, a, a no, this is who he is. This is who he is. He, he's, he's the kind of guy who calls people fat, who challenges them to push up contests, who uh, calls you a liar, uh, calls you a dog-faced pony soldier, who tells you if you don't vote for him, if you don't know if you're going to vote for him or Trump, then you ain't black. That's who he is. Neanderthals. This is silly. It's a mandate conversation, not a whether or not you should wear a mask conversation. What is this constant need that people have uh, to say government has to mandate it? Otherwise, what? People don't know what to do? Uh, my faith is with people. Some people, they don't listen anyway. There's a whole story about, a, what, was it JetBlue, Producer Ari? Some guy in a JetBlue flight refused to wear a mask so they had to make an emergency landing? Yeah. Yeah, that guy's a putz, and he's going to go to jail, and he's going to pay a huge fine, and that's the way it goes. No, you're not special. Don't ever be special on a plane. Giant piece of metal gets in the air, takes you where you want to be, lands without catching on fire. Be thankful. And if they say wear a mask, you wear a mask. You don't want to wear a mask, drive. They could say wear a mask. The state shouldn't. And by the way, that's an FAA conversation. It's a federal conversation. That's uh, Biden's purview. I would have voted for somebody else if I were you people. See, that's dopey. Dopey. But you don't need mandates. They're not necessary. Speaking of not necessary, it's H.R. 1. There are attorneys general lining up in opposition to this legislation. Todd Rokita, the attorney general of Indiana, is one of them. We'll talk to him next. I'm Tony Katz. Despite recent calls for political unity, the act, H.R. 1, takes a one-sided approach to governing and usurps states' authority over elections. With confidence in elections at a record low, the country's focus should be on building trust in the electoral process. Around the nation, the 2020 general elections generated mass confusion and distrust, problems that the act would only exacerbate should the act become law. We will seek legal remedies to protect the Constitution, the sovereignty of all states, our elections, and the rights of our citizens. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, good to be with you. Todd Rokita is the Attorney General of Indiana, and he has written a letter 
to members of Congress, including Mitch McConnell, Nancy Pelosi, Kevin McCarthy, and Chuck Schumer, signed by a host of attorneys general from all across uh, the country, uh, including uh, the attorney general of Texas and the attorney general of Nebraska, opposing this very legislation. I see Doug Peterson's signature uh, right there that just passed the House. Let me bring in the attorney general, Todd Rokita. What is the issue with this act, the For the People Act, which is supposed to be a reform of our electoral system? Hey, Tony, great to be with you, and really grateful for the other attorneys general who joined in this effort, like you mentioned, Texas and Nebraska. Um, look, it, this isn't designed, this H.R. 1, which by, by title, H.R. 1, is supposed to be the highest priority of the party in power in Congress. It doesn't protect Americans' votes. It's designed to put a thumb on the scale of every election in America uh, in the future, you know, and nothing could be uh, can, can help more to keep the swamp swampy. So we have got to stop this. They're, they're trying to codify basically all the bad processes and things that we saw last fall. So those things are specific to what? Give me one specific yeah. where this is the federal government uh, yeah. acting in a way that would take power away from the states and that you would see as attorney general, well, that's not constitutional. Right. Well, let's well, there's a, that's a whole radio show, Tony. Let's start with one particular example. When I was Indiana Secretary of State, uh, we implemented the nation's first photo ID law. And I only got sued four times. It was called every name in the book, including racist and everything else. It was, it was, it was terrible how the cancel culture, I think that was probably the beginning of the cancel culture. But we stuck with our guns. We went all the way to the United States Supreme Court. And because of the way we wrote and implemented our law, uh, it, it, it was it was so well done that the Supreme Court said, yes, that's fine. And now 31 states have modeled themselves after that law. This proposal, this H.R. 1, eviscerates photo ID. It makes it illegal across the land. And, and the Constitution is very clear that states uh, are in charge of elect- election processes. And so that's why it's unconstitutional. So it takes away the accountability measure of a photo ID. And then at the same time, uh, requires everyone to get a ballot, whether they're live or dead, uh, allows you to turn in that ballot 10 days after an election. Now, wait so a these second. elections never end, Tony. I and understand how ballots can get to people who are dead, but the legislation doesn't actually say dead people get a ballot, right? Just Because someone's well, going to say no, it, sir. Well, it, it, <laughs> not literally, but, 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 but how they wrote this, that would be the effect, because you also can't clean up your voter rolls. So, yes, in fact, people uh, could have and this happens even without this bill uh, often enough, and it's terrible. But states have got to be allowed to clean up their voter rolls. People move away. People die. And it sometimes it takes years under current law to get them off the rolls. This would make that even worse. Talking to the Indiana Attorney General, Todd Rokita, now about H.R. 1 and what this does uh, to voting rights. Uh, as, as someone could see it, right? They, 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 okay, so you don't need a voter ID. So, okay, so you could do same-day registration. No, they can't clean up the voter rolls. But they describe this as for the people. So as you read into it, you of course, you, you, you spent time as, as a member of Congress as well. Um, what is it about this that the political left sees as so advantageous, and why should all of America see this as a problem? 
Well, let's take the mail-in balloting that that's required, you know, that, that everyone gets a mail-in ballot. Um, you know, despite the extra ballots that will be out on the street, so to speak, live ballots that could be harvested and, and turned in fraudulently. Um, you know, if you, if you can, if you have a close race and it's election night and you still have 10 days after the election to turn in ballots, you know, that just increases the chances and the temptation to go and fraudulently create more votes and then get them turned in. But I guess so my point is, is that people are saying this is for the, the left to get more votes, but anybody could, the, shouldn't the argument be yeah. any, anybody can do this and that in and of itself is a problem? Yeah, that's right. I mean, yeah, I'm saying that this is the, the, the proponents of HR one can definitely uh, put their fi- their finger on the uh, on on the their thumb on the election process. But yeah, anyone can do this, and that is the problem. You know, uh, this is not my comments are not partisan. My comments are about letting the voters and taxpayers of this country have confidence in the election process again. This goes the opposite way of that because it codifies so many of the bad and presumably what's supposed to be temporary processes that we saw last fall, temporary because of COVID. This makes it the law of the land for all future elections. And here's the problem, Tony, Republican, Democrat, or what else? If people lose confidence in the election, if they feel that it doesn't matter to come back and vote, then we've really lost this country. People ask me every day, hey, aren't you scared about this policy or that policy? And yeah, these socialist Marxist policies are terrible. But all on top of all of them is this idea that, oh my gosh, I can't even change anything because my vote doesn't count anymore because they're going to steal it anyway. And, and that's that's the narrative we have got to reverse. And the only way to do that is to have good processes and accountability like photo ID in our elections, not what's being proposed in H.R. 1. Todd Rakita, attorney general of Indiana. We're going to be following this through and seeing what happens with it in the Senate. Uh, your letter here uh, with uh, the signatures of you and 17 other uh, attorneys general. We'll see how that's responded to, and we'll do a follow-up soon. Uh, Attorney General, I appreciate you taking the time. More to get to, and I've got the worst headline of the week. This is Tony Katz today. According to the New York Post, People on the political left working overtime. They're very, very busy getting themselves the full carpal tunnel treatment. They're uh, deleting tweets praising Andrew Cuomo. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Oh, my gosh. Oh, Oh, they gave him the love, don't you know? Remember, uh, uh, Robert De Niro was singing his praises, and and so was... um, uh, so is uh, Ben Stiller. Oh, my gosh. It's so fantastic. It's so terrific. And now, now when you've got the three um, different, uh, three different women making accusations, they're all pulling it back. Right? I, I shared with you uh, this this piece yesterday from Molly Jong Fast, um, all, all about love. Um for Cuomo last year it was all of a sudden I love Governor Cuomo his soothing Queens accent his stories about his dad Mario and then just the other day is my Cuomo crush turned out to be Stockholm Syndrome right she, she she's trying to, to distance her, herself maybe we shouldn't have idol worship for political people 
Maybe we should recognize a good job done and a bad job done, and that's it. And you shouldn't be loving on people. Love your spouse, love your kids, love your friends. You don't have to love your governor. You can like them from a distance. It doesn't have to be that visceral. You don't have to be that that connected to it all. By the way, uh, Molly Jong Fast is also somebody who supported uh, the the Lincoln Project. So she was supporting John Weaver, who was going after young men and using his power to try and get sex out of them. I mean, she knows how to pick a winner. Does does Molly Jong Fast? All right. Admittedly, I have uh, I, I I'm not a fan. I've had her, you know, come after me a couple times on social media, and I didn't pay attention because it's social media. I actually had to talk myself off the ledge on on something having to do with social media today. I had to I had to step away or I was gonna tweet something and Ari said you can't tweet it. If you tweet it, you're back, and if you're back, you're a hypocrite. I said, I don't care about that part. I I I I, I wanted to say something. I'm like, nah, nah, I'm not delete, 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 gone and and finished and 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 done. And it was how uh Salon Salon.com has somebody writing a story about how Republicans are are just looking to to be the the good Germans who just happen to have a few bad people within the party. These people can't stop with the Nazi references. And so my my tweet had had a lot of four-letter words in it. I'm like, eh, eh. For Salon, I'm I'm, I'm willing to put myself out like that. Salon, it's 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 nonsense. Stop using the Holocaust as your freaking political crutch, man. If you can't have a conversation without invoking Nazis, you can't have a conversation. There's something wrong with you. So we're all perfectly clear. But that that the, the left is going about uh deleting Chris Eliza, CNN editor-at-large. Did he re- really refer to Cuomo as the love gov? Saliza, who wrote last year, Andrew Cuomo said he'll never run for president. That's a mistake. I mean, it's... Uh, there's another guy from CNN. I was in Iowa in 2012, I think, and I, I was covering the... Uh, the the caucuses, which if you've never ever done, if if you've never done that, you should. The caucuses are an amazing experience in Iowa, and just like just like the primaries in New Hampshire, really are amazing. Your ability to have access to talk to people, to reach people, just uh, I, I went, so this was twenty twelve. I was there in twenty sixteen. This is twenty twelve, and just. Watching people, they're standing on a on a chair in the middle of a of, of a supermarket, talking to seventeen people. It's crazy, but it's fascinating, real, really, and, and truly is. And I, I remember being in hitting one bar where I think it was it, yeah, it was Saliza doing some kind of trivia night. And I remember saying, even then, for the extent that I knew the dude, I, I didn't know him personally. Just, I was like, yeah, no, it's not my dude. Not my, not my guy. How right I was. Go with your gut. That's the moral of the story, everybody. Go with the gut.
right? I had an immediate reaction about Saliza. I had an immediate reaction about producer Ari. Go with the gut. <laughs> that's that's always, always the, the, the thing to do. Now, I, I, as promised, um, this is just bad. Your car's seatbelt, safety miracle or decapitation nightmare? What is the connection between rain and farming? The answer may surprise you. Heroin, sex, machine guns, flamethrowers, murder. There's no story here. We've just found that ratings go up when we say those words. It's time for the worst headline of the day. Now, I admit it's not a headline from from a news paper. It's from the good people at twitchy.com, right? What's happening on Twitter, they often share it. Beto O'Rourke says his accusation against Texas Governor Greg Abbott is not hyperbole. Of course, they've dropped masks in Texas, right? No more mask mandates, I should say. No more mandates. You can still wear a mask, of course. Uh, Don't be uh, silly. And what do you have? You have Beto O'Rourke saying that what's happening here is that... um, he is sacrificing the lives of Texans for political gain. I mean, this is just classic, perfect Beto O'Rourke. Why just have a conversation? Well, I think the, the governor is wrong here. No, no, no. He's going to get people killed. I mean, this is, this is standard operating fair, right? This is a standard operating fair from people like Beto O'Rourke. Up the cruelty of the Republican posture at this moment, this hour of the pandemic. You know, it, I think it appeared to many of us to be a, a cult of personality, the Republican Party in the era of Trump. And, and that probably still holds true. It's hard to escape the conclusion that it's also a, a cult of, of death. Um, you have extraordinarily anti-democratic elements. I mean, look at the insurrection on, on January 6th for, for any proof. You have anti- Can we, can we just hold on a, a second here? This idea of the cult of death. The Republican Party is the cult of death. Now, look, look, I'm, I'm a conservative. I'm not a Republican. There is a difference, and, and I hold firm uh, to it. But the party that is okay with infanticide is not allowed to say of other people that they are the party of death, the cult of death. What? If we're going to engage, seriously, a conversation about civility in America... You can't be calling people the cult of death when you're the ones who are like, well, you know what we do is if, if the baby is born, we leave the baby on the table and the doctor consults with the mother and they decide, baby is made comfortable and we decide what to do. Decide what to do, baby on table, you're deciding what to do? That's premeditated murder, bitches. What are you talking about? The Republicans are a death cult? I, I know, I know, how do you not lose your mind? with these people and by the way doing the interviews nicole wallace and oh she is so proudly despicable (laughs) so proudly she's like listen if this is what it takes to be a republican on msnbc i'll do it i'll do it just keep the money coming in keep i like vacations in st bart's just keep it coming what is that another check 
Fantastic! Tell me more about the Republican death cult, because I totally agree, because what I need is to make the car payment. Holy cow. This is the kind of hyperbole, this is the kind of incivility that we're supposed to be opposed to. If you say that the Republican Party is a death cult and you get people to believe you in this, why would anybody ever treat a Republican well? It's okay whatever you do to them. It's okay if you hurt them. It's okay if you malign them. It's okay if they don't have access to the vote. It's okay if you take away their books. It's okay if you take away their platforms because they're not human anyway. After all, they're a death cult and they don't deserve a part in American society. Right? That's... That's what they're doing. And this is what Nicole Wallace is aiding and abetting. This is the problem. And that's why it's the worst headline of the week. Oh, don't worry. There'll be a worse one tomorrow. I'm Tony Katz. Remember, if you read The Cat in the Hat to your children, you are a racist and you will raise your children to be racist. Any Dr. Seuss, for that matter, if you've watched The Grinch Stole Christmas, hmm, teaching them to be a thief. That much is obvious. But if you are Michelle Obama as First Lady of the United States and you were reading to children while a person dressed as the cat in the hat was standing next to you and you're reading a Dr. Seuss book, that's totally fine. Huh. Glad we got that covered. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. 833, got Tony. 833-468-8669. On Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. The story here is about Joe Biden. And the question, of course, whether or not Joe Biden is up to the task whether or not Joe Biden is, well, capable of engaging. Now, one of the things you've been hearing about is, you know, it's been 40 however many days that he's been president of the United States, which is still unbelievable to me. I mean, honestly, I do. I usually call him Biden and not President Biden. And that's that's all me, right? I, I actually go back and correct myself. Can't actually believe it. Well, he has not done a press conference in 40-some-odd days. No press conference. I, that's, that's interesting. That's odd. That's, that's peculiar. Right? Why in the world would he not? Now, maybe the question is, well, how many are, is he supposed to have done? And I know that there's like, they, they keep tabs on these things. But the answer is, I, I'm not, I wasn't the one who was asking. Media is asking. Reporters are asking. It's because access, access to Biden is remarkably limited. They are lockdown experts, like we saw during the campaign. Keep them in the basement, like we saw during the campaign. Okay, we're done with the interview here. That's what they do. It is who they are in terms of his orbit. Thus, this happened. It was uh, over at White House, wh.gov. And you had uh, this, this, this virtual uh, um, event with the president. And at the end of it, he says, I'm happy to take any questions if that's what we're doing. I'm happy to take any questions. Ooh. The president of the United States is happy to take questions. Well, 
Now we can get into it. And so what happens? Thank you. Thank you. And I'm happy to take questions if that's what I'm supposed to do, Nance, whatever you want me to do. And they cut to the screen of the White House and they say, thank you for joining. They cut it. They ended it. It was over. So now you're left with the question of why is it once again, once again, are they not allowing him to answer questions? Why aren't they sharing? Why did they stop the feed? Doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense that they would stop the feed. It makes no sense that they would prevent him from answering questions. Unless, of course, they're afraid of what he might say. And I put forth to you that I would never, ever uh, diagnose the man. I am not a doctor, and a doctor can only diagnose the person in front of them. Right? You, would, you have to be a CNN doctor in order to diagnose somebody they see on TV. It's, it's a, really an ugly, ugly practice. How it works? You don't diagnose the person on TV. That's, that's not allowed. So I'm not diagnosing. I am not telling you the ailment that Joe Biden has. What I'm saying to you is, it sure looks like to me that Joe Biden has an ailment. It looks to me that Joe Biden is being protected by his staff in a way that doesn't work in 2021. That compared especially and specifically to Donald Trump, it is so odd and awkward and weird and deliberate that it looks like they're hiding something. It's very possible they're hiding nothing. It's very possible that Joe Biden's just fit as a fiddle. And all super ready and raring to go. It's possible. According to theoretical physics, it is possible for an elephant to dangle off the side of a cliff from a twig. But you and I both know it's dead elephant. Right? We're, we're, we're both fully aware of, of, of that, right? It's topsy, kids. That's what we're talking about. There's something wrong. There's something at play. Or they are just desperate to ensure they are controlling the narrative at all times and in all ways. Is that what you want? I mean, it's one thing to make sure you've got your messaging, um, you know, uh, together. It's, It's something completely different completely different to to not let the man speak. And so the rumors are going to fly from this guys. They're going to be everywhere. It's it. They didn't, they don't slow things down when they do that. They build them up and then they'll have a press conference and he'll answer three pre-approved questions. And people say, you see, everything's fine. Not fine. Not, not, not fine. Something isn't okay here. Uh, no, I'm not the only one who's noticed. Find everything at TonyCats.com and be sure uh, to like the page on Facebook, Tony Katz Radio, Parlor, Instagram, even Twitter at Tony Katz. This right here, 
It's Tony Katz today.